says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another instant reaction edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me on a glorious uh, King's birthday, long weekend, public holiday evening after the Eels dismantled the Bulldogs to sweep them for the seasons, my good mate, 60s. How you doing on this wonderful day, big fella? Uh, win over the Bulldogs is always a great thing to celebrate. But you and I, mate, we've got plenty to say here. Uh, I'll uh, I'll just throw it back to you right now. <laughs> but before we do dive into this game, there is a lot to talk about. Uh, quick shout out to the two sponsors of the tip sheet, Big Swing Golf, North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Narellon and Parramatta, making the show happen each and every episode. Like I said, 60s, Eels dominated the Bulldogs, but... You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! What was going on today, mate? Like, Parramatta Eels, 55% possession, completely dominated the Bulldogs in all phases of the game. Penalty count, well, Brad Arthur might as well have another rant in the postgame. If Tim Sheens is allowed to, then I'm surely Brad Arthur is. They lost the penalty count 8-2. 8-2. Yeah, yeah it was putrid. And it not, was putrid. And not only that, there were a string of bizarre, contradictory, flat-out confusing calls from both the main official, Liam Kennedy, and the bunker, which I believe was Cummings in the bunker, or at least that's who was listed, where we have... That it's okay for the dogs to strip someone on the ground, but it's not okay for Parramatta to strip someone on the ground in the space of 10 minutes, which would which actually directly led to the dogs' second try, by the way. We have Mike Acevo scoring a double with the, the, the second try, beautifully worked by the Parramatta Reels. Bowie Simonson does what the NRL instructs. You're not allowed to stop before or in the line to impede the, def- uh, impede the defense. So he runs through, holds his line. The young rookie, Carlo Apu, chooses to push him and engage him and it comes back because the bunker deems, in their opinion, once again having discretionary powers and not being black and white, that he would have made an impact on that defensive play. That was one of the worst no-try calls that you're ever going to see in the modern game. It really was. I mean, can you imagine if a call like that was made in a, in a match-deciding call in a grand final or in a final series match. They, they would or, storm or the field. It, they would, fans would storm the field. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I I am very frustrated because, again, you, you come back, Eels were nearly 3.4, sorry, 0.34 seconds slower for their play the ball speed. The dogs were clearly laying in the ruck at times in that first half in particular. And no calls came. Yeah. Just, we got our second panel in, in like the 70th minute. Or even later. No, it was later than that. It was later. It was like 75th minute or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. And look, that sort of stuff you sort of get used to with the NRL because sometimes, you know, bad officiating games in terms of the flow of penalties happens. The strip and the no try or the reversal of the try are legitimately concerning because the process is catastrophically failing. Like, again, you, you go to Occam's Razor and you say... And we combine Occam's razor with uh, whatever the other the turn of phrase is about, you know, don't mistaking, do not mistake uh, malice for incompetence. But at, at some point, you know, they, they, the, the ref's just blotting them out. If it is incompetence, then it needs to be addressed because it is bad. It is bad, 60s. Yeah. It, it, look, and might I also point out 
it's not so much that there is such a lopsided penalty count as well. It's that, and the problem isn't as much with the penalties that are conceded, it's the penalties that aren't received. Because as you pointed out, you had the, the Bulldogs laying all over in the ruck in that first half. You essentially had them adjudged as being perfect in the ruck and perfect on offsides and all of that sort of stuff. In a game they where he was killing us on the 10 metres too, by the way. Eight, eight penalties to two plus um, that set restart that they got. So it was... Um, yeah, uh, I think we got a late set restart. Did we not? Was that was that a late? Uh, was that a set restart in that no try to Sevo? I'm just trying to think. There might have been one around there, but mm. anyway, regardless, how on earth? How on earth? It was they came up with those those couple of calls with the the referees challenge of ours that was turned down on Cartwright when it was clear he lost was, the ball. Yeah. He was losing the ball. There was there was full momentum in the tackle anyway. Now, and what about how late the offloads were allowed today? Yeah, the hell calls were very, very, very slow. Oh, it was... Oh, look, all I will say is that the officiating in this game was putrid. And you know what? The Eels came away winners, convincing winners... So when we're talking about the the officiating being putrid, we're not complaining. We're not whinging about a win that got away from us. It's just it was frustrating to watch the the whole thing unfold. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't first grade standard, and that's not good enough. It's really not good enough. And look, I've said before that the a referee's job is not an easy one. You can accept it. A, a, um, mistakes that happen on the run, but we're the talking about the, the bunker, the bunker here, but, like for the most part. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was. That's what I was about to say, is that in these instances we had bunker calls that were made there. How I mean, like you know, you I, know, I'm still dumbfounded by the no how, try. How is Mike Siva on report, by the way? After this entire weekend, where Tino Fasu or Mala Awi and Jarabwari Hargraves are allowed to elbow and forearm people in the face, it's Mike Siva that goes on report. Yeah, well, I hate to tell you, but I think I've got a fair idea what the outcome might be. Yeah, he's going to be the one that cops the first charge. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, let's get into the positives because there were plenty in this game, 60s. A lot to talk about on an individual and team basis. Systems and players stepping up in the absence of significant strike power on the sidelines. And just, sorry, just before we get into the Eels' performance, let's let's get this off the bat right away now I don't want to talk about the New South Wales Cup game because if we were talking about future officiating performances we saw today um, look there were I think there was something like four players in that team that have an NRL contract and two on development contracts and apart from that it was second year uh, Ron Massey it was Cup versus Massey, essentially, yes. And yeah, yeah. Against yeah, against so. the leading team in the competition, and lo and behold, the scoreline reflected that. Yeah. And look, there uh, is nothing. There is nothing to be gained. Like I hate to say it, there isn't anything to be gained by talking about it. It was our worst, our worst fears, which we discussed in the preview, and um, it it basically turned out the way that we thought it might turn out. Um, as look, I said, there's there's nothing really to. The, be, uh, 
talking about. I think there's know. a conversation to be had down the road about our approach to uh, the supplementary players and how we identify those to round out our cup squad. Because you know yeah. it's it's pretty clear that right now we we are not in a good position when we have significant uh, call ups to the NRL as we've seen in the forwards in particular. There's a whole stack of forwards that are doing very well in the NRL, by the way, uh, that could be back in New South Wales Cup when reinforcements arrive in first grade. But yeah, well, I would I would I would suggest to you, forty, that we're currently operating on a roster of twenty seven, right? Um, we were back to 28 when we when we released um, Jake, but uh, I think we've made. I, I could be wrong. I could be very wrong, but I think the decision has been made to not play Mitch Rain any further. Well, he hasn't been seen for a long time. No, he hasn't been seen for a long time. He was he was uh, training with the squad when he wasn't selected. I haven't seen him train with the mm-hmm. squad for a while. Maybe that's just me not noticing it, but. I'm suspecting that he's not he's no longer playing with the with the club in in that uh, and he he takes up a, a top 30 spot. So by my reckoning we're operating on 27 which would also mean that with all the injuries um you you work it out we've got players that are that played today in the NRL team that aren't on top 30 contracts. Yes, correct. So uh in in hands and Moretti Mm-hmm. And then uh, by the time that you're, you're looking at um, the players that were there in the first, in the uh, New South Wales Cup team, as I said, there were four players in that team that are on an NRL uh, contract. And that's it. Two, uh, uh, two development squad players. I think it was I think it was four and two by my reckoning. But um, yeah, so look, injuries. Uh, stand downs, um, even even amongst the players that are our supplementary players um, aren't available due to injury. Uh, Jaden Yates, I spoke to him the other night. He was he's still injured. He's out for a while. So attrition uh, is taking its toll in the New South Wales Cup. Oh, it is taking it is taking its toll massively. And I think, and I just wanted to mention that now because I think it then speaks volumes for the fact that the NRL squad is travelling as they are with the not just the the injuries that we've got but also the 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 depths of the the depth of the squad is being really really tested purely in numbers like purely in numbers so all the blokes the the next man up is doing a great job mm-hmm. that's yes, you know so, so. I want to in not talking about the New South Wales Cup you know the players that have been playing New South Wales Cup that have been called up deserve congratulations because they're getting the job done. And look, I think it's no coincidence as well that um, the departure of Jake Arthur has has seen a significant impact on the form of the New South Wales Cup scene. No doubt. Cup team. So no doubt. Um, anyway, so uh, mate, I'll throw it over to you now for the main stats. For yeah, this. Eels thirty-four running rough shot or rough shed over the Bulldogs twelve. Uh, Burton and Perham scoring for the Dogs. Couple of uh, probably soft tries. I think the the boys will be pretty dirty on themselves on the replay review of this one, in particular that Burton try where Carlo Apu beat four or five Eels. Uh, but on the Kings long weekend birthday, the King bagged the first half Hattie in the first twenty-four minutes. Mate, he was very busy. Uh, he and Mitch Moses combining beautifully for two of those three tries. Bailey Simonson, Will Penasini, and Micah Sivo rounding out the scorers. Micah robbed robbed of a double. 
Uh, the big man could have extended his lead in the NRL to three tries clear of uh, the chasing pack led by Campbell Graham, I believe. And instead, he's only got a two-try lead. Mitchell Moses, pretty sharp off the tee today. Five from six. He did try a field goal to ground out the first half, but it got charged down. On to the team stats. Eels dominating 55% to 45%. Time of possession, six and a half minutes in their favor. Completion rates, those 60s. I think they got a little bit loose at the back end of that second half, the final quarter. They ended up down at 65%, 28 to 43 Canterbury, they were very efficient, 80%, 32 or 40. Uh, Eels ahead in all key attacking stats, attacking stats except line breaks. I don't really remember the dogs making seven line breaks, but NRL.com's got them down to seven line breaks to our sis, uh, six. I think a lot a lot of those were in the first half. I think it was something like five to four the line breaks in the first half. There you go. Uh, Eels plus 550 metres, uh, plus 120 post-contact metres, uh, 53 tackle breaks to 39. Uh, they were up... 11 metres on average set distance, just about. 10.5 metres, that's crazy. Uh, play the ball speed, as we've come to expect. It's uh, worse than our opposition. 3-7-4 for the ball and gold versus 3-4 and four for the berries. Uh, 19 offloads to the dogs. They actually offloaded the eels by uh, plus 2 to Parramatta 17. Uh, but going down to uh, kick the fusel. Uh, those fabled Burton bombs, they didn't have much of an impact here. Parramatta with the Schmick 1-0-0%, 100% their 60s on the bomb defusals. Uh, effective tackle rate actually Eels below the dogs Some way somehow uh, They had uh, less missed tackles uh, And only slightly more Ineffective tackles But I guess the bulk Of the dogs tackling Made their uh, More effective tackle rate Right They were more efficient Yeah I tackles. think I think we started to see In um, I think uh, Very much around the tries That the dogs scored That there were A lot of missed tackles That were happening uh, it, They weren't necessarily Leading to Line breaks all of the all of those missed or ineffective tackles, but you know there was a couple of moments where we just looked a bit loose. And the other side of the coin too with that is that I can almost guarantee that there was a lot that were happening over on the side where Dylan Brown is normally defending. Yeah. Um, and I want to comment so, the dogs down for nine interchanges. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> okay. Have they, they accidentally included well, HIA? Well, they, they got HIA separate, and they say one for that one, so I don't know if they're including that as a total. I have to go back and have a look at another game where HIAs are a factor, so that's very odd. Uh, but let's go on to individual performers. Uh, for the Eels, Quinton Gufferson, 180 metres, three tries, a whole t- uh, bag of uh, tackle breaks there, six of them. Uh, we had Sivo go for 140. Bailey Simonson over 200. Well done there. 211 metres. Eight tackle breaks. Some good defence too. Uh, Sean Russell, 124. Moses up over 100. Uh, Reg Jr. Bryce Cartwright, who was outstanding, I thought. Uh, Jermaine Hopgood. Offiki Ogden. Mac Hesse Makatoa, all in triple figures. So very good games there. Dejan Arce, uh 10 runs, 80 metres. A couple of tackle breaks. A line break. A try assist. Two try assists, sorry, because he got the first try uh, with that well, uh, well-placed bomb. So... Players performing across the park, as you'd imagine, in a win with that sort of a scoreboard 60s. But yeah. who, what, yeah. what were your main takeaways here? Because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, we had a sort of hot and cold start. There were some issues with that left edge. Uh, Andrew Davey and Dejan Arce having a bad read on a – well, not bad read, bad tackle on Carlo Wapu, leading to the dogs equalise in the sixth minute. Uh, but they uh, managed to sort of figure it out to some degree. Um and yeah, and we saw a Mitchell Moses masterclass on a weekend where Nico Hines really bombed it with the pressure on. 
Mitch showed the uh, value of his experience in those extra years, you know, steering a team around the park today. Yeah, look, I I looked at the the match this way. We started off for some unknown reason, deciding that we wanted to play hot potato football along with the Bulldogs, and we were messaging during that game and uh, both lamenting that type of play. And then as soon as they got back into playing para football, which was winning the middle before looking to push the ball, what do you know? The tries came. The, the field fast. position, the mm-hmm. tries. I, I was genuinely worried at the start because I thought, what on earth is possessing them? I think they got carried away with the openness of the play that the Bulldogs were going for. And we were almost playing directly into their hands. You can bet as soon as that try was scored by the Bulldogs that the message well and truly went out, pull your heads in. Like, just get get back to the match plan and do what you need to do. Um, look, it, I don't think, as far as, a, as the team performance is concerned, it's not one that I'll be writing um, too many... Um, superlatives about because I think it was there were far too many errors from our perspective I thought we got a bit too loose in defense the one thing that we've done quite well all year has been the scramble and I thought geez we really need to needed to scramble today and to be honest the Bulldogs wasted some opportunities off their line breaks in that first half with the number of times that they went for the kick and and I know why they were going for the kick because they obviously rated their chances of being able to outpace the ball, the Eels to the ball, like a, a kick put through that they were going to win the race because mm-hmm. they had, they certainly have superior speed out on the flanks, but it showed a real impatience the way that the Bulldogs played in that regard. I think they were, they were trying to get the the get across the line the cheapest way possible rather than, you know, maybe maybe taking a tackle on a break because any coach worth their salt would know that Parramatta don't hold down in the tackle. Mm. If they made a break and they were tackled on the break, they were going to almost be guaranteed a fast play the ball because we let teams get a fast play the ball and who knows what, what might have happened there. So, look, I'm not happy about the fact that we got a, a bit loose defensively. And don't get me wrong, I think that has everything to do with the players that we've got out and the disruptions that are going on. Um, but I guess it's one of those games where if you don't play at your best, but you're still getting the win, that's where you've got to be happy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm happy from that regard. We got the two points. I think I said to you this week, that uh, the the next two to three weeks can really determine our season. Mm -hmm. If we can get the wins across these weeks, that the Eels uh, are in a really good position because players will be coming back. They'll be um, going from three wins into a bye. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, next week's going to be a challenge. But I just want to relay one thing, one quick thing to the listeners about today. I had the opportunity to to speak very quickly to Mitch Moses on Saturday. And I said to him, why do we win against the Bulldogs? And he said, oh, why? Why? And 
basically he, he just ended up saying, because we've got a better team. And I think when all was said and done, the Eels did have a better team than the Bulldogs, and that's why we won the game. Yep, agreed. So, yeah, uh, mate, what about what about your takes? Yeah, well, I really liked. I, I mean, obviously, I was texting you furiously at the start, saying this looks like another game where we're getting caught into the Bulldogs' pace. You know, we're, we're sort of getting sucked into playing silly hot potato football, and. They scored that try, and I was like, okay, this is now the coin flip moment for the game. Which way do the Eels go? Do they double down on playing to the Bulldogs' tempo, or do they go back to the game plan? And lo and behold, they went back to the game plan and got the business. And that that second quarter, or the first, like the second quarter of the game, the second part of the first half was really good. Really good. Mitchell Moses just stamped his authority on the game. Yeah, the forwards really, you know, rolled their sleeves up, set the platform. Uh, you got to see some wonderful eyes up football from Moses. The, the instant he identified that TPJ was marking him for that try, uh, for the Guffer, was it the Guffer Hattie try? It was, wasn't it? You know, he just yeah. he knew straight away uh, it was tackle four. So getting tackled there means that Dejan Arcee has to take over the kicking roles. And it's not like Arcee didn't do a good job later on, but at that point we weren't you know fully convinced that he was ready to do that. But Moses backed himself and set it up. So I really liked that. And. Yeah, I just I, I like the options off the bench. I thought again, Ofiki Ogden was excellent. Makatoa very good. Matt Dury came on and was solid. Uh, you know, Dejan Arce again. We we showed today that even with that sort of manic start to the game where we got out of tempo, that we have systems in place. We have players across the park, even for these injuries, that we can trust ourselves to put someone like Dejan in. And Dejan's obviously got his own talent there. He's not you know a scrub, but we didn't try and hide him. We put him in positions to succeed, and he did that. He exposed Carlo Wapu, and was it Preston Campbell down that edge? Um, I'm not sure. Whoever the right edge back row is for the dogs. Uh, uh, yeah, um, it's not Campbell. It's uh, Preston. Uh, Jake, Jacob Preston, isn't it? Uh, yes, Preston. Preston, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, no, Jade Knockable. Jade Knockable down that side. Isn't oh, okay. It? Yep, yep. Um, I, I can't remember. So whichever way it goes. You know, and he, he put on the try for Bowie Simonson. He also took over some kicks and kicked really nicely. So, yeah, really, that's really good. As much as the errors and uh, the missed tackles and, you know, those line breaks are going to make for important film review and stuff for us to tidy up on ahead of Manly and the Dolphins, it was, in that, in that regard, it is a great reminder of the talent that's in this team and the systems that are in place that let us succeed. And... Well, again, it goes back to the idea that you're talking about 60s in your spotlight and whatnot about how the Eels may have missed the, the two points earlier in the season, but there's a reason why we've got the third or fourth best for and against in competition now because these systems yep. and these players are in place. And yes, sometimes the games go against you. That is football. Sometimes you don't get the result and you can go for three games in a row. But the Eels have systems in place. They have people in positions. They have coaches and support staff. You know, all the support staff, whether it's... Uh, Salts or uh, Trent Elkin, everyone that's there doing great jobs. And that's why we're now in a position to make a run, even with all these injuries. We're going to go to Manly, potentially down four players in state of origin if you know things play out the way some of the media's talked about. Moses, Junior, Reagan Campbell-Gillard. I mean, I saw Voss on Twitter saying that he thinks, uh, he, uh, he sort of spoke it as if it was a fact and not opinion, but he thinks that Gufferson could be the origin reserve. So origin reserves, the 18th man, they travel with the team. They don't get released usually. We could be down four yeah. players. And... We're going up against the Manly team. They're going to be missing some strike too. Uh, no DCE, uh, no Tom Toboyevich. If Jake is fit, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the call up. But, uh, you know, missing a couple of key players there. But we'll still give it a hell of a shake. 
because we've got these what, systems in place. Well, what's the modern cliche these days? Trust the process. Yeah, exactly. It is 100% the case of trusting the process. And the Eels have a good process in the NRL. And yes, it, it was very frustrating to start the season the way we did and have the, the football luck go the wrong way and you know have players make the odd mistake here or there that was ultimately important to the result. But we've seen now that uh, even with all the injuries, even with all the bad luck, even with the, the bizarre officiating that we saw today, the Eels are a team that can get the job done and get the job done by plenty. Yeah, they are. And it's, look, it, it's going to be tough this week. It's a five-day turnaround. Of all weeks, yeah. to have a five-day turnaround. This, this is the same as the Darwin. Like, there is some serious issues with NRL, NRL scheduling. Like, I know that they, they've got a formula and algorithm that measures all this up, and it's not a, it, this is not a simple thing. You know, you're balancing 17 teams across venues that need to be uh, matched against different codes and whatnot, but that's not acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And look, we know that every so often uh, I, I, they try to keep it quite minimal throughout a season for the for teams where possible. And, and to an extent, they've also got issues around the fact that the broadcasters get the say on what matches they want on which day. So they've, you know, all of that sort of thing has to be factored into it. But yeah, going from a Monday match into the Saturday game, when the roster is as depleted as it is, is going to be a big ask. It is going to be depleted even more because of origin. We know we know that it's going to be the case. How badly it's the case, we're we're yet to figure out. Um, and what we do know is that there are, as we spoke about earlier, there are only four players on an NRL contract running around in the New South Wales Cup side. And if we are to lose, let's let's face it, this is this is could be the reality. Moses, Paulo, RCG, and potentially the King. That's four places gone out of the first grade team. I, I I've got I've got no idea how you start to fill some of those positions. I don't know how you fill spine positions like that. I really don't. I mean, you have to have if you if we're if we're losing a halfback, you have to have someone come in who can kick. I mean, <laughs> the the crazy reality is that if Ethan Sanders hadn't got injured, he may have well have had a rapid ascension to there, NRL. There, 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 there is an outside chance that he still might. If we're that depleted, you might have to. Well, like, he's he'll be he'll be coming back. I doubt he'll be going back into flag. I think when he comes back, he'll be going into cup minimum. Wales Cup, yeah. But um, look, the if you follow BA's logic with what he's been doing with the team, which is. He looks for the minimal disruption that he possibly can. And, and as we talked about, <laughs> trust the processes, trust the systems, that the next person up gets the job done. It may well be that Jordan Rankin is playing halfback against is there, Manly. Is there such a thing as minimal disruption when you're losing four of your best players on top well, of all the injuries? <laughs> there, there, there probably isn't. But the thing is that, uh, you know, someone like Gutho might have been considered an option to go into the halves. Yeah. And, yeah, and then you put Russell, the fullback, Dunster onto the flank or something like that. 
yeah, and just yeah. work with that work with Dejan there in the halves. Yeah, yeah, but you have to have someone that's got a kicking game. We saw a little bit of Dejan's. I don't know. I mean, even when he's playing in the halves in New South Wales Cup, Rankin is the is the primary kicker. So someone has to come in and be the primary kicker if we are going to be without both Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses. I mean, the, the, the reality is that we will be very close to fielding what might have been um, the majority of a New South Wales Cup team at the start of the year in first grade this coming week. That is, that if, is, if the full extent of our origin selections and injuries, and look per the NRL, sorry per the Parramatta Eels injury report that was released uh, on Team West Tuesday this week, we do have optimism to believe, or reason for optimism to believe that Madison and Joe Ofengahi could be back next week, uh, but you know they still got to pass their fitness tests, and you know calf injuries can be tricky for that. So that would be very welcome ins. I got to say that. You know, if, with Junior and or well, Junior almost 100% out, and Reg quite possibly out. I know Daily Telegraph are running a, a lead on Spencer Lenu replacing Tavita Panga Junior, uh, which I wouldn't be upset about on both accounts. A because I think Lenu is a pretty decent player, and B you know having Reg in the fold as much as it it sound it is mean to do him dirty for that for both the honour of representing your state and obviously the extra paycheck. Obviously, the Eels could certainly use him. Yeah, yeah, and. Um you know, Spencer's probably the uh, poster boy when it comes to water bottles. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, that, I, you know, you talk about seeing the red mist, though. He was ready to take his head off. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't seen a player with that much fury in his eyes in a long time. He, he was, uh, yeah, definitely seeing the red mist. Yeah, yeah it's um, it, he's not, he wouldn't be the first rugby league player have the red mist as soon as you cross the stripe out onto the field and and have something go against you but um yeah anyway mate let's um let's get into our um our best on field there or you know maybe give a shout out to whatever players that uh we think deserve it at the moment before we get to our three two one um oh, look i i i think it's going to be a pretty straightforward three two one as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. But um, I I do want to give a bit of a shout out to Jermaine Hopgood. I thought he was I thought he was really good. I thought Brendan Hands was very very solid out there in the middle. Um, you mentioned him before. Um, uh, well, both of these fellas off the bench, Ogden and Makatawa. Mm-hmm. I thought they were they were very good. And and you know even in the in the short stints that they had, um, both uh, both Dury. And um, Luca Moretti, I thought, you know, they were they were quite solid yeah. in their time out there. But when it comes to the three points, there is only one selection, and that is Mitch Moses. Yeah, I know. I know the King bagged the Hattie on the King's birthday long weekend, and that writes itself as an you know a really fun sort of uh, either headline or byline. But uh, yeah, Mitch Moses was on another level today, and. Like I said, when the pressure was on, all this talk about origin, and he may he still might not get picked. It could be Adam Reynolds or it could be Nico Hines or whatever. But uh, a strong reminder to everyone of the you know the journey that he has gone as an eel from you know being that sort of promising but flawed Tigers prospect and coming to Parramatta and really working on all aspects of his game. The defensive hustle was outstanding today. Game management, heads up vision, 
uh, the long kicking, the goal kicking. It was the full package. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that then makes the next selection easy because you've just spoken about him, Clint Gutherson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought think- he, he was... He was easily the the two points. The only today. knock I can think of was uh, he was the last person to miss Kalawapa for that first try after Davey and Arcee made a bit of a meal of it. Uh, but at that point, he was sort of off balance and it was a tough tackle. Aside from that, you know, classic Guffo backing up, being Johnny on the spot, uh, you know, really nice ball distribution down that left edge like we talked about in the preview podcast. Unlucky to have a try assist taken away. Should have had two uh, because the the bunker's insanity. Uh, and he would have he would have finished the game with uh, two line breaks, two line break assists, two try assists, six tackle breaks, and 180 plus meters plus the free tries. So that would have yes. been a, a hell of a stat line. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the the one point, well, I'm really thinking. I actually am thinking about uh, Jermaine Hopgood there. I know I've just mentioned him. I was um, Bryce Cartwright's in the mix there. Yeah, Cart- Cartwright yeah, is well, probably going to be my one point. Also, a shout-out to Dejan Arce, who I thought was very, very good on debut for the Eels. Uh, you know, he had that one miss on on uh, Alapu that we've talked about before. But, you know, he was involved in all aspects of playmaking, running, passing, kicking. The Eels trusted yes. him to do the job, and that speaks volumes to his, you know, ability. Yes, yeah. Look, I thought that the running games of, of both uh, Reg and Junior was strong, but I, there wasn't as much asked of them defensively, which is what I, I was seriously looking at Reg because his carries today were really, really important. Um, but I think it comes down to a three-way pick between Cardi, Jermaine Hopgood, Brendan Hands for that one point. And I'm probably going to just give it to um, Jermaine Hopgood because I, I I think he's one of those players where um, do they win the game without him? Maybe not. So that's that tips it his way. I'm going Cardi, but like you said, Hopgood was damn near right up there. Very unlikely to miss out on origin selection. Queensland have announced their team. Uh, they went with uh, Jeremiah Nane and uh, Mo Fotowaka. Uh, without uh, over sorry the uh, other candidates there I think Corey Horsburgh is the 18th man or 19th man and Jermaine not in camp very unlikely not even to be in camp there but I suppose that speaks towards the glut of riches that Queensland suddenly find themselves in with the forwards uh, but yeah Bryce Cartwright for me one point continues his rise and rise this year he's just been outstanding not just in attack and defense but I think he might be our best off the ball player 60s uh, he is always hustling uh, puts a lot of kick pressure on is constantly backing up. He had a great tackle on... Uh, it wasn't the one where he got penalised for stripping on Burton. He had a really good tackle on Burton where the dog started playing hot potato late in the game and we just throw on the ball around and he cut him down in front of the posts. Uh, yeah, he's doing some very, very good stuff. And we, we saw the nous of that kick, that found touch one metre out where it uh, sort of almost got the uh, result for the Eels. He's uh, offloading effectively and not throwing silly offloads. And yeah, just very, very good all-around footballer right now. Yeah, no. As I said, I, I'm I'm sticking with um, uh, Jermaine Hopgood. Those 33 tackles that he made, um, just the three misses. It's I just think that the tidying up work that he did, the the just that workload that he had, because he, he also not not only just the tackles that he made, but um, he's had 129 run meters. As very, well. very good game, and, and like you said, also Brendan Hands, who I think 
uh, you can probably knock him for that forward pass in the first half. And um, I'm not sure what happened on the, the second try where I think there was a bit of miscommunication defensively with Junior. Uh, but given that he was asked to play 80 minutes for the second time in his career, he's, you know, he's having a really good run this year. I mean, uh, speaking of running, he has a nice little... Uh, uh, he went for nearly 100 metres, 60s. Yeah, nine, I nine know. 96 metres. Like, he, he was very effective out of dummy half. Didn't get the line breaks, but was constantly putting the dogs in the back foot. Um, had a couple of really nice short side players linking up with the correct players there. So, yeah, he is really going from strength to strength as our uh, interchange dummy half. And, uh, you know, obviously Hodjo out with, a, I believe, a neck injury today, 60s. So I have to wait and see what that was about. Uh, but he is more than capable of stepping up when asked to, to do more than just being the rotation dummy half. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, uh, I think we're just about we've just about covered everything that we can after this match. A really big match coming up. I, I'm like both teams are going to have players out with Origin, but we also know that with the players that the Eels have got out with injury, that there's you know it's going to be a big ask. The uh, one advantage is that it's a home game this time round against the Sea Eagles. Uh, which means that we will be there at Parramatta Leagues Club, the home of the Eels, for our podcast after the game on Saturday evening. So make sure you get there. Come in uh, to Jack's Bar and Grill, grab a fee, grab a drink, be ready for celebrating an Eels win. There you go. I'm, I'm tipping it already. <laughs> there you go. I love it, 60s. I love the optimism and... Obviously, we've got a very quick turnaround to our next podcast uh, with the Tuesday Night NRL News and Para News podcast going up tomorrow or being recorded tomorrow, Wednesday morning, put up. And then we turn that around into a preview in the pregame show for the, for the uh, Saturday game. So plenty coming from TCT. But until then, stay safe, guys. 60s, I'll let you have the final word. Go, you mighty eels. <laughs>